Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Tom Blackwood, Executive Pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. Come on, can we give the Lord praise this morning? Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. You're so good. You're so good to us, God, as we reflect on who you are and what you've done. We can't help but just pour out praise out of our mouths to you, Lord. We love you. We worship you. We adore you. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Thank you, Lord, for sharing your presence with us today. Amen. Isn't it good to worship together? So good, so wonderful and encouraging. And we're gonna, in a moment here, we're gonna see a video. Uh, I don't know if you're like me, but looking at all the stuff that's happening in Ukraine, it can be a little overwhelming as you see what's going on in the world, especially there. And it's almost like I don't even know what to do, how I could have any impact. And I've heard, you know, the Holy Spirit whisper in my heart, well, you can at least pray. And praying is a very powerful thing that God gives us to do when we engage our faith in Him. And this video is from our fellowship, the Assemblies of God, some missionaries there, and they're going to invite you in the video to pray right along with them with what's going on. So go, why don't you go ahead and be seated, and let's check out this video and pray with them. Over the last 13 days, there have been more than 2 million people displaced from Ukraine that have come across the borders into Europe. Um, we are standing right now this morning at a train station in Warsaw, Poland, in Zachodnia, our west side station. These people are tired, they're hungry, they're lost, they're searching for a place to go. And the Pentecostal Church of Poland and, and many other entities have come alongside to help these people. We have been purchasing sleeping bags and finding places for them to, to stay. Um, we have been um, transporting them to different houses and different churches where they're taking them in. We personally have purchased them uh, about 40 sleeping bags in the last day or so so that we'd be able to, to get them a place where they could lay down even on mats where they could be warm during the night. And we want to thank you guys for all you're doing to help us here. Lord, we pray for Ukraine. We pray for the protection of the soldiers, the families there. And we pray for freedom to come to that country again. Yes, Lord. We lift up all the little children that are coming across the border, Lord, that you would put your angels around them, protect them and help them and, and keep them from fear, Lord Jesus, and give them peace in their hearts. We pray for the national church that is housing the Ukraine and the refugees here. We thank you for them. We thank you for the United States for partnering yes, with us to meet the needs that are yes, here all over Europe. And God, we just give you all the praise, all the glory. You're in control. Bring freedom back to this place in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We join our hearts together with the church, the body of Christ all over the world. And uh, in as much as even the time around these altars here, just so powerful, just an expression of God's family that, uh, that we could bear one another's burdens. We can do that physically here but joining together with our missionaries all over this, this world that uh, are in some tough spots right now. And uh, I just pray that God would continue to bless them. And uh, I know that God uses different opportunities to allow his church to be stronger than, than it was in the past. And so that's our prayer, that God would just start a revival in Poland and in Ukraine and in Russia. <clears throat> Amen. So we come to this point in, in our corporate worship experience each week, and we just encourage all of us, and it's a reminder for us, to, to continue to bring our worship to the Lord and return to him his tithes and bring our offerings to him. And today, one of those real tangible ways we can do that is uh, in relation to the need that you saw on the screen there. So as we uh, prepare ourselves to continue in our worship through giving. Let me just say thank you for all that you are doing through the ministries here at Calvary Church and obviously specifically in our external and global footprint all over the world. God uses our gifts 
to be uh, just a resource and a blessing to the furthering of his kingdom all over this world. And that's exciting. We get to be a part of that. That's, that's encouraging. So one of the ways you can do that is by giving physically here uh, with the offering envelopes that are on the seat pockets there in front of you. You can put your offerings in those, tithes and offerings in those, and drop those in the buckets in the back of the room as you leave. You can also give through the web, through online, calvarytriad.com slash give. And then uh, text to give, the number is 84321. In each of those situations, if you want to give some, uh, an additional offering to the disaster relief that's taking place in Ukraine, then the tag on that gift in the drop-down menu on the online says disaster relief, as well as in text to give, if you text the amount, and then disaster, disaster relief there, that, that way it'll get to the right place there um, as well. So God uses our gifts. Aren't you glad that we can partner together with what God's doing all over the world? It's not just about here. Yeah, it's just so exciting. I'm excited to know that, that God allows us the opportunity to be a part of that, uh, of what he's doing. Well, God's doing great things all over the world, and he's doing some incredible things here at Calvary. And we've taken the last few weeks, a moment in the service, like right now, to just take care of some family matters and tell you what God is doing through the ministries of Calvary Church. And so here in a few weeks, April 16th and 17th, we're going to celebrate a weekend that the world focuses on the church and the world, our communities uh, are, are drawn. Some people never go to church any other time of the year but Easter and Mother's Day, right? Maybe Christmas if you're lucky. But Easter is such an incredible time. April 16th and 17th, I'm saying both of those days because here at Calvary, our family, we're going to be an, out, uh, an outstretched arm to the community both of those days. On the Saturday before Easter, um, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., we're just going to have fun as a family outside and hopefully the weather will cooperate and we're going to have a time of, uh, there's going to be food trucks here for all the moms and dads, for you that have, been, have family coming in that have to cook all week. This is, this is on us. We're not on us financially. Bring your money and buy the food from the food trucks, but we'll do the preparation for you. And uh, food trucks will be here uh, for uh, lunch on that day. 30,000 eggs. They don't just stuff themselves though. Those, you know, yeah, that, that needs some work. So thank you in advance for continuing to help us just prepare for that. If you um, would love information about that and like to know how you can get involved, there's going to be some people that can help you in the 336 room to my right back here in the lobby as you return, as you leave the building today. We'd love to have you a part of that. I can tell you right now, we've already made a dent in that 30,000 number there because this week we've had people all, almost all every day of the week coming in and just stuffing uh, eggs with candy. So if you see your friend that may still have a little bit of chocolate on there, you tell them they go in the egg. But anyway, so no, they've been, been great helping. Also after service today, we have an incredible opportunity for us to be a part of what God's doing all over the planet and our missions trips. And this church is just so blessed to have so many teams that go out all over the, the, the globe and, and make an impact in different areas. The end of this year, one of those trips goes to South Africa. Pastor Tom leads that trip. There's a luncheon today after service to get more information and to kind of get that next step in the process. So you want to make yourselves available to that. If you've already signed up for the luncheon, great. We're ready for you. If not, go show up anyway and, and Tell Pastor Tom he made enough pasta for everybody, so it'll be great. He's probably panicking right now. That's we're good to go. He's saying, "Bring it on." So uh, I know this. They've been preparing this week for lunch, and it smelled really good this past week. I just uh, I was tempted to be a little taste tester there, but uh, they're ready for you. And uh, Pastor Tom or some of the team will be in the room there to help answer questions. If you want information there, but the luncheon is in the East Auditorium after service here today. Wow, God's doing some great things here at Calvary Church. We're so excited to be a part. Hey, I got a little praise report. We found a house. So there you go. There you go. The owners don't know that it's our house yet, but we, I'm teasing. No, no. They, we signed a contract. They accepted. We're in the process now, so we're supposed to close the end of April, and we'll have some place to invite you over for dinner. All of you, come over. Come over April 21st and bring your work clothes because we're going to be on. No, I'm te- But I found a house. Thank you so much for praying. And uh, we've got uh, just, just God's 
providing there. Keep praying for Pastor Clayton and Ani. They're still in the process looking for God's will for, for their life. In fact, we've got so many people here at the church. Megan and her, her family are uh, looking for a house too. God's just favorite needs to be on just, uh, just a home, right? So I just, uh, we're praying for that as well. Well, Hey, turning your Bibles to Luke chapter two today. We're starting a new series, kind of a mini series, if you will, today until Easter that uh, we're, we're gonna be looking at some different events in the life of Jesus. How many of you just love like the big moments of life, like Christmas and Easter? It's just exciting, right? It, it's an opportunity that God gives us that we can talk about Jesus, that there's those, those really those highlight real moments of Jesus's life that, that are incredible. And you should get excited about those really cool moments of Jesus's life that, that we have an opportunity to, sh- it's almost like God says, Hey, I'll let you have March Madness all year long, right? And he'll give you these highlight moments. I had to go there a little bit here this morning. Your Tar Heels, I say your, because I'm still, I'm on the, I'm, I'm getting there, right? But that was a crazy game yesterday, but the Tar Heels and the Blue Devils won yes, the, this past weekend. So that's a good thing. I'm surprised that there wasn't that much of a response in the room. Are you still having a, a heart attack over the game yesterday with UNC and Baylor? That was crazy. Wow, it was crazy. You guys are asleep. So punch your neighbor, go back, whatever. Don't punch your neighbor. But anyway, uh, it was a fun weekend, exciting. Segway back into the scripture. And it says this, I know that there are those highlight real moments all throughout scripture. I love reading of Jesus saying, Lazarus, come forth. That's, that's awesome, right? I love the stories in God's word where, where God does, uses his son to do some incredible things where, where, where dead children are raised to life. I love to see the story of Jesus walking through a crowd of people and a woman fighting through the crowd just to touch the hem of his garment. And instantly she, those are, she's made hold. Those are the highlight real moments of Jesus's life. And I'm so honored to be a part of, of a church that has highlight real moments in our own lives. However, There are those other events in the life of Christ and in our lives that I want us for the next couple of weeks to see, God, maybe you want to tell us something through those extraordinary everyday events. I don't know about you, but my life is not just filled with highlight reel moments. There are those days where it's just kind of a drudgery, right? Where you've got the to-do list is longer than the number of hours on your, your calendar and you just have those everyday moments. Well, church, I've got news for you. Um, in the middle of the idea of Jesus being in the truth that Jesus was the son of God, he is completely God and there's a, a, a majesty of his life. In the middle of that, there's also humanity in the life of Christ where he himself had some everyday events that he walked through that I believe the entirety of God's word gives us opportunity to look at some lessons that we could learn from these events. The first one that we're gonna talk about today is this idea of being lost and left behind. Now, parents, some therapy. Don't raise your hand really high on this one, but just let me have a little bit of affirmation. Have you ever lost and left your kids behind or a kid at that work or not at work at the grocery store? Ken's proud. He's just like, yep, I left them there too. And they're still, no, I'm just, whatever. I've done that. Have you ever had that moment when you, you go pack up? You guys remember the store, the, the movie, one of the best movies of all, like Home Alone, right? You know, Kevin, ah, oh, you know, all this stuff where there's this moment you think, oh, that could never happen. Well, please, come on. Now, Mary and Joseph had this story happen to them. And so I think it's probably happened to us. These everyday events that happen in our lives, I think there's lessons in them that we can see through God's word. This particular story in Luke's gospel, I love it because it just shows the humanity of this family that had this teenager, had this adolescent young man, his name was Jesus, and there was an everyday, what seemed like a normal event take place 
that God may be wanting to show us some lessons. I, I just want us to grasp this truth. As we're led by his spirit, we can still see an extraordinary God working in everyday normal events of our lives. Luke chapter two, in Luke's gospel, chapter two, starting in verse 39. Read together with me. It's an incredible story of being lost and left behind. It says, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, he was an adolescent. He was almost a teenager, right? This was a moment. You can put yourself into the context of this story. It's incredible. It says, when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents, notice there's someone missing from this story. His parents were returning home. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, key phrase, but they were unaware of it. Put yourself in the position of Mary and Joseph. This is just a normal everyday, this wasn't, there was, in fact, I can probably imagine Mary and Joseph were a little bit miffed in this situation, right? Like, are you kidding me? In fact, that's exactly what happened because it's, it goes on to say, it says, thinking he's with them, thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. <laughs> there's a lot of commentary about this portion of scripture. And there's some truth to the fact that, that they had such faith and trust in their son, Jesus. He had demonstrated that he was trustworthy, that they could leave him for a day and not like the, the, the caravan of people. They just assumed he was there with them. Boy, I probably haven't been that type of parent that had that level of trust in my children. Can you imagine going to a vacation or going somewhere and returning home and a full day of travel transpires and you're like, didn't we have four children at the beginning of this trip? And some of you are like, dear Jesus, that's been our prayer that we could leave. No, 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 don't say that. <laughs> but, but they traveled on for a day and then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days now, three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, boy, don't you know this is a, a soft word. <laughs> they were astonished, right? They were astonished. Yeah, I could think of some other descriptors in my life of that. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Listen to this phrase here. She says, your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Now, this is Pastor John commentary. I like to think there was a little bit of teenage sarcasm attached to this phrase. You know, it's like, Mom, what gifts? You know, uh, what, are you, what are you doing here? I, why are you so worried? Cool down, Mom. In our family, my son, he says this word, you know, calm down, but we have this crazy thing that we always mess up words intentionally. And he'll, he would say to us in this, what Kim would say, clam down, Mom, clam down. He just does this weird thing with words. So I can see Jesus saying, why... Why were you searching for, for me, he asked. And then, check this out, this is so Jesus in his response. Because you remember, Mary said, your father and I have been looking for you. Jesus replied, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Don't miss what Jesus was telling his mother this moment. But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. And then he went down to Nazareth after this moment. He went down with them and was obedient to them. But his mother, oh, check this out. His mother treasured all of these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. 
There's some background on this story that's really significant. I want to leave that verse in front of you because there's a phrase here that says his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And lest you see stories like this in the, in the word and just kind of has the, have this, did that really happen that way? You see, the writer of this, this particular gospel and Luke's gospel, he also wrote the book of Acts. And all through Luke and Acts, he uses phrases in communicating the truth of the scripture here, phrases like, um, we were witnesses of, they witnessed, they saw, we saw with our own eyes. The reason why this is significant is because Luke, we know he was a physician, he was a doctor. He, he was very concerned with the integrity, the veracity of what he was saying. He was concerned with the details. He was concerned that things were so um, uh, uh, credible in the way he was delivering that he would make sure to, to make sure that all of the details were in place and the way he communicated was in agreement with that. Well, in this particular portion of scripture, if you go back and study like the, the root language and, and how the, the Greek is translated there, the, the way and the version and the, the way this was written was very, um, very Jewish. There was a Semitic t- uh, tone to the way he was communicating. And if you look through scholars and study, this was significant because Luke always had witnesses for what he was writing, whether himself or others. But in this particular story, when it says things like his mother treasured all these things in her heart, how would he have known that? It's very likely, and there's no way to know exactly for sure on this, but scholars will say because of phrases like this and the way Luke was used to writing, that the very witness of this story was Mary herself. And can't you just imagine just that situation where possibly Luke and going on these journeys, can't you just imagine maybe sitting under a shade tree somewhere with Mary, hearing her tell the story of this situation? And she would say things like, Joseph and I were astonished. No, she probably would have a little bit more colorful. She would say, I couldn't believe, we couldn't find Jesus. He was lost. And what seemingly was this just normal, mundane, everyday event, there was an extraordinary lesson that God wants for us to listen and learn from. And I just want to leave you three small thoughts that may change the way you view your normal, everyday life um, through allowing God to speak to that. So the first lesson I just think it's important for us to, to focus on is this. That discipline, and probably the better way to say this is disciplines, the noun, the spiritual disciplines of our lives, they determine destiny. In you and in others, disciplines determine destiny. Why I know this is because when we look in the scripture that we just read, Luke chapter 2, verse 39, Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord. Why is this significant? You remember Luke always included details for a reason. He was wanting us and the readers and the hearers to know that Jesus himself, the son of God, had witnesses in his own life, in his mom and dad, who had disciplines in their life to do what God had called them to do. You said, oh, it's faith and works, and God just wants to have faith. Yeah, yeah, show me your faith, I'll show you my works. Faith without works is dead, right? Our faith leads us into having spiritual disciplines in our life. Even more so in this scripture, it says every year, Jesus's parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. This was a recurring thing. It goes on to say, according to the custom. Jesus himself had an example in a mom and a dad and people around him that followed the customs. They followed those disciplines in their lives. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, can I challenge you that our disciplines, son, daughter, it doesn't matter. It's not always an age from an older down to a younger. Sometimes it's a younger up to the old. That our disciplines, they determine our destiny. 
our disciplines in our lives, you say, well, you know what, that's, that's, you're talking a little bit about legalism and works and faith. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the posture of our heart being so changed that we want to, out of our relationship with God, God, I just want to do everything to please you. I just, I, I just, I just love knowing that you smile on my life. I, my disciplines, they determine my destiny and the destiny of those around me. You ever wondered why that's so easy to, to grasp or to, uh, to understand in the physical, but it's hard to sometimes really take that logic and apply it to the spiritual. We, we, we see that in the physical. We know that if we are disciplined to eat that, that Big Mac and a large fry and a huge you know, whatever every day for a meal, we know that discipline is going to uh, uh, have some impact on our destiny, Right? And we're probably looking at some heart issues down the road there. But we also know that if we have, a, if we have disciplines to be healthy, that our destiny looks differently as, as well. That those disciplines, they affect our destiny. Let's bring it closer to home. As a parent, I've always been challenged. And I'm, trust me, I'm not saying that I've got this right at all. But, but several years ago in, in parenting and raising children, um, boy, God just really spoke to me that says, boy, your kids and your, your, your spouse and your family, they need to see you walking out your faith. They need to see you reading your Bible. They need to see you praying for people. They need to see you giving in your, in your time and, and, and worshiping the Lord in the totality of your life. They need to understand. In our house back in Dallas, we had this place in the little mud room when you came in from the garage and you walked in, you dropped your backpacks down and on the backside, there was a, a whiteboard that had the calendar of events for our family, right? Here's the Catron family chaos is what we should have called it, you know, keeping everybody in line. But right above that board, there were... There were certificates of uh, support that not the church, our family of the missionaries that we supported. It was right on the, the wall there. Why was that important? Because I knew that our disciplines in giving and supporting the, the work of God all over the planet, it's going to impact destinies, not just in my life and the missionaries' lives that we support, but in my children's lives as well. So honored and, and grateful and just awesome to, to be the dad of three amazing kids and now four kiddos with my son-in-law and our, our family and all four of them. They're serving Jesus and, and ministering in places that uh, are just awesome. They're incredible in marketplace ministry. And I'm just so proud of my, my youngest daughter, Chloe. Every week she goes and tutors with uh, some refugees here in Greensboro and tutors these kiddos. That's that's incredible. Why is that so significant? Because when we look at the normal everyday events of our lives, please don't belittle or don't underestimate the impact of your continued disciplines in your life. It has real change in others and in your life as well. Discipline's not always easy. Discipline does take some, some intentionality and quite honestly, come up, it takes some pain sometimes. There's sacrifice attached to it. In my office back in Springfield, I had this on my wall, and I love the statement. I just want to leave this with you, that this is a real powerful idea, that we must all suffer one of two things, either the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. God, let us all choose. And I know the pain that feels like a, a, there's some burden attached to that. Quite honestly, there's a joy in serving the Lord, but there's a truth sometimes that it can become, it, sometimes it just feels like it's a sacrifice of praise, right? And I choose, and I know I'm in the middle of people that, that serve Jesus with such passion that when those everyday, mundane, normal, <sighs> I'm just weary, God, we choose the the pain, if you can say it that way, of discipline so that we won't have regrets, that the destiny that our lives have will be one of, of, of serving and seeing other people serve God. Luke's gospel, he says it this way. I love the impact of destiny because Mary and Joseph had this discipline that impacted destiny. Luke's gospel says in chapter two, and the child who was Jesus, right? The child grew and became strong. 
understand the, the cause and the effect of this relationship or of this dynamic there. There were these disciplines in Mary and Joseph's lives that, that caused the very Son of God. Have you ever under, uh, just kind of wrapped your brain around that? That Jesus grew and became strong. You see, this takes us to our next lesson from this story, and that is this, that Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. Isn't that perplexing? Can we just stop a little bit and just kind of let ourselves kind of go, hmm, because I believe with all my heart that scripture teaches us that, that the Godhead is three in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that they're all completely God. And yet in this moment, we see, and in other opportunities in Jesus's life, we see that the humanity of Jesus is highlighted. Why? Well, I want to submit to you today that God is allowing us to take a sneak peek into some of these everyday, ordinary events in the life of Jesus so that we can understand that this life in our flesh is possible to live empowered by the spirit, impacting the world, being an ambassador for being an ambassador for Christ. It's 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 possible even though sometimes it feels fairly average. Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. There's some there's some complexity in that that we don't even have time to go into the depth there, but that's just for me, it's encouraging to know that there, there wasn't just this, this divinity. Oh, Jesus lived an overcoming life because he was God. Well, no, he allowed himself to become more like me and you to give us a pattern of how to win in this life called serving Jesus and following him. In fact, in this scripture, we just read it, Luke chapter two, it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. The the writer of Hebrews says it this way, let us run with endurance, the race God has set before us. We do this, How how do we learn? By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates, he starts and perfects, he finishes our faith. There's a progression of that. So for us, That should give us hope when we look at the Easter season. It is not just about the risen Savior in the tomb. And that is the reason for for how we believe. That's what makes the significant humanity of his life so important that he was fully God and fully man. But I think it's important for us to look and say, okay, the life of Jesus, the wholeness of the life of Christ provides an example for us to figure out how to do this every day mundane, seemingly sometimes life. I love what Paul says in this, this idea too. This is, he just kind of gets right down to it. In chapter two of Philippians, verses six through seven, he says, though he was God, Jesus, this is what he's, though he, Jesus, was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, oh, catch this, he gave up his divine privileges, and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. That's a wow. That's one of those you say, God, you cared for me and cared for us so much that you would allow your son to be born as a human to provide an example for you and I as to how to succeed and how to, to thrive in this life being led by the Spirit. There's some depth of understanding there that I just gotta be, I don't fully grasp. How in the world could a, an omniscient God allow himself to empty himself of, of knowledge, of wisdom, but he did that through his son so that we could see the, the divinity of this man, Jesus. There was an example that was there. In fact, uh, Matthew's gospel says it this way, this knowledge says, uh, talking about the, the second coming, the, when Jesus would come back, he said, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the son himself. Do you understand what it's saying there? That Jesus, who is the son of God, who is, uh, he was God in, in the flesh, 
he, he allowed himself to have this knowledge and, and this wisdom taken, you know, released from him so that he could grow and that he could mature and that he could be developed by, by, by the world there, by those, those influences in his life, by his mom and dad to give us an example so that he could one day give us the example. Look, I have done this life that I'm called you to. I'm victorious. I've already purchased your salvation. I've already been there. I know the end of the story. It's possible. And just as he is right now with the, with the Father in heaven, he says to us, hey, in the middle of those extraordinary everyday events, you can make it. You can do this thing. Yesterday, I was, I was outside just enjoying the sunshine, running a little bit on the trail, and I was listening to this podcast, and one of the pastors I was listening to is just a, another kind of addendum to this thought, and you will talk more about this later, but have you ever wondered, uh, or have you ever looked at the story of when Jesus himself was baptized, and the question was that was posed, Why? You know, baptism in water is, is, a, is a baptism of repentance. And when we say we are reflecting the inner work and this repentance of what God's done in our heart. And a few weeks ago, when baptism's here in the church, so great because it's our way of saying, God, new life, it started over in my life and I want to be that public expression and just a little bit of an advertisement here. If you want to be baptized again, please let us know. We're going to have another baptismal service in the few weeks to come. But, but why did Jesus need to do that. Jesus didn't have anything to repent of. There wasn't a need for repentance in his life. And yet he allowed himself to go through that process. We see that that scripture, when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit after that, when John baptized him, the Holy Spirit descended upon his life. And it's, you know, the voice, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Why did Jesus allow himself to go through that process? He didn't need to repent of anything. He was giving us a pattern. He was saying, if you'll look at the life of Jesus and if you'll just follow him and do what he did and have the heart that he did, including those, those things that look like normal everyday experiences in his life, that's, that's the key to this life, church. It's, it's, it's more about just that, that man of Jesus than any words on a, a wall or vision statement. You know, we've talked about these, these three things that are really important to us and experience God, follow Jesus and serving others. That's more than just two little cute words. That is us saying, Jesus, we will follow you even in those everyday, seemingly mundane, normal things that you allowed yourself to walk through. He was fully God. He was fully man. And he did that so that we could have an example of how to live our lives Finally, the third thing, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come and help me as I conclude today. The third thing is this. Lessons learned from this story. Never stop learning. I'm not going to go too deep into this because quite honestly, a few weeks ago in our core values series, uh, Pastor Kim preached an incredible message on growth. And if you need some more deep dive on this, just go back and listen to that because it's about growing and allowing God to transform us daily. I've said this already. I'll say it again. That's more than just a cute phrase. It's more than just a, a, a way to communicate a truth. It is exactly what Jesus himself allowed himself to go through. Luke's gospel, we just read it a minute ago. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers. Jesus was being taught. He was listening to them and asking them questions. They didn't have the printed gospel there. They didn't have the, the leather brown, right? But they were going through the scrolls and the, the word of God with the teachers. And Jesus himself was asking questions of them and learning and growing and allowing the, the word of God. Boy, that's just, it just blows my mind. Here is the manifest word of God in the flesh, Jesus, the young boy, allowing the spiritual word of God to transform him. Who, ah, there's just such power in this word, right? Church, do you understand the pattern that he's laid out? And then we say, oh, we can't give 10 minutes. 
Uh, just, you know, the kids have practice. And I, oh, no, it's not a drudgery. It's not a normal, everyday, just mundane thing. It's the living and active word of God. And Jesus himself gave us an example of, of sitting in the amongst of, of leaders that were preaching and teaching the word of God. And it says this, he was listening to them, asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. 12-year-old Jesus, 12 years old, and he's in a room, he's in a setting, it's in this temple courts, right, with these, these priests and leaders, and he's asking them questions, and he's, and he's talking to them about the word of God. Just a few minutes ago, I leaned over to, to my wife, and I said, how cool is this, the, the family of God around these altars praying together, and just, I looked over, and I'm just, I'm not trying to embarrass you, but Jim Bishop, you just blessed my heart. You got a young, young adult male here that's standing there just praying. And here's Jim that, that is just such a hero in, in this church and just praying for the older, praying for the younger. Jim, you're not old, right? But, but there's this guy that's got some skins on the wall, right? That's praying for the younger. And then this dynamic of old and young, and it's just this awesome experience. That's exactly what Jesus was doing. He was 12 years old. And he's sitting in, and he's asking and he's talking. Church, you got to grasp this. This is not just an everyday event. This is not uh, Pastor John just manipulating a story to, to, to impact the church. But it is, there, there are application points. Can you understand that this is why we say things like, hey, small groups, they're really a big deal. They're important because Jesus himself modeled this. He left his mom and dad and for three days he was in this little small group and he was just asking questions. He was just sitting in the room going, hey, what do you think about this? How many of you know Jesus knew all the answers? And he was asking questions and he was growing and he was developing and all this stuff. It's the body of Christ in an extraordinary everyday event like getting lost at church, lost at Target, lost at wherever you want to meet, whatever. The Bible tells this story for a reason. It's so that we can see the principles that Jesus had in his life from his parents, that their disciplines determined destiny, that Jesus really was fully God and fully man. And that gives me hope because I'm fully man and in my flesh, I can know that God wants to empower us and me and you with this spirit so our normal everyday lives can be empowered and energized by the spirit of God. Because I'm gonna tell you something, church, when things happen, like those believers in Poland, in the, the border towns in Ukraine, do you think they are walking through life with this mundane, normal, oh-hum, no, whatever? No, 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 no. God is, God is pushing the church to be that, that spirit-empowered church in the middle of crisis. Well, are you gonna wait till crisis strikes? Are you gonna determine this week that, you know what, I am not gonna view the activities of my life as normal and mundane and everyday, but I am gonna look at the life of Christ here and say, wow, you know what, Jesus, you were fully God and fully man, and you said in your word that greater things than these that you've seen me doing, you will do, and you're gonna walk into that, that workplace or school and you're gonna say, you know what, I have confidence that God has empowered me and he's strengthened me to be an outstretched arm into my community. And it's gonna be incredible to see what God is doing in and through my life. We always need to be learning. Never stop learning. Never stop being in, in places where people encourage you and strengthen you. I, I, I do this, I try to do this a little bit intentionally all the time, even throughout the week. We've got such an incredible team here at the church. There's, there's so many young uh, voices that have different views than me and the older guys and gals on the team. It's just so cool to see the dynamic of rubbing back and forth. And they're learning me and I'm learning them, but I'll just go and plop down in front of the desk sometimes and say, okay, Okay, what do you think? Tell me, what's your eyes see? What do your eyes see here? Because, you know, I don't, maybe I'm seeing it differently. And there's this back and forth of learning and growing. And sometimes those are just of practical things, right? But other times they're of deep spiritual things where we sit around and we just talk and learn and ask questions and, and go back and forth in church. So I'm going to just tell you something. That's what God wants for each and every one of us. I was listening to this podcast yesterday. And there's a statement, I think it was pretty cool. It fits right in here. It's kind of a late ad, but it's this idea that sometimes we feel like, well, you know what? I've, I've got it taken care of. Like, 
I need to be giving more than I need to be receiving. And there was a statement made that I think is pretty appropriate. It says, if you're always the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah. So I'm not sure how to take that. You guys applauded on that. I'm like, well, I don't know, you know, but I do know this. God wants us to always be learning. God wants us to always surround ourselves with people that can grow and can encourage us that our disciplines would be an impact not only on our own lives, but on others. And through this extraordinary everyday event of little 12 year old Jesus getting lost at church, there's application to our own lives as well. God help us. God help us. So this morning, we're going to conclude in just a little bit different way. Pastor Clayton's going to come, the worship team, and we're going to sing a song, just of kind of a commitment and just a prayer time. But we're going to be family today. We did this in the early service, and I think it's just important. And here's why we're going to do this. We're going to stand here in just a minute. I'm going to invite all of you to come to the front, this altar space here in these op- this open area, and you're going to have to kind of squish in and make room and all this stuff. You say, oh, that's uncomfortable. Well, that's fine. Stay. You don't have to, but here's, here's why we're going to do this. is because sometimes in our everyday normalcy of our lives, we can think that our lives are unique in that, man, everybody else is living this victorious life and like they're just, you know, taking hell with the squirt gun and it's just this, they're just walking out and people are just falling out everywhere. What? No, no. There's just this normalcy sometimes of life and we just need to have this encouragement to know that we're not in this alone. I also know that the Holy Spirit can use us in group time like this to say, hey, why don't you go pray for that person? And when we're all together, it makes that opportunity a little bit easier as well, right? So we're going to pray in just a minute as a family uh, together. But as we do that, I want you to process through a few questions that maybe God's using to kind of apply the principles of what we talked about today in our life. First question is this, what are the normal events of my life that just make me weary? Don't stay too long on that question, right? Because you're like, oh boy, you don't know the time that this... And you, you know, whatever, you just start listening. Let me think of two or three. What are the normal events that just kind of burden me down and that I'm walking through that, that really I'm struggling with? And then ask yourself, is God trying to teach me something in these moments? I'll just answer this one for you. Yes, he is. He is. So ask the Holy Spirit in your prayer time, God, what are you trying to teach me on this? God, I want, I want to pass the test now because I don't want to have to take a retest, right? I don't want to have to go through it. What are you trying to teach me in these moments? And then this is where I want you to just understand the truth of what God maybe has for us at Calvary Church between now and, and a moment, a highlight real moment that is Easter. Do you understand the progression of why we're doing this? Because between now and a moment when the world and the community is in, it's just, it's low hanging fruit for you to invite your neighbors to come to church. That in these moments of every day between now and then, God may be wanting us to say, God, what will I do differently to anticipate and activate his spirit working extraordinarily in these events of my life? What is it that God's putting on your heart in the normal, everyday events of your life to say, God, help me not to see those just as normal every day, but, but opportunities for your divine intervention to come and to just have an impact in that waitress's life at lunch today, in the, the cashier at Target, or in the, in the person that's shining my, my, my tires after I go through the car wash, in the, in the opportunities with my coworkers. God, how can I anticipate and activate the Holy Spirit working in and through me. God does it when we look at his word and are changed. Would you stand with me all over this place? And as you are standing, I'm just gonna invite you to come and just join me around the front. I know it's not necessarily normal. That's all right. You guys understand me. We're, we don't really have a normal around here. So we're just gonna allow the, the presence and us being together to be a powerful visual um, reminder for each and every one of us today. And here's what I would say to you as you're coming, just feel free and fill in some of the gaps. We're going to just, as a family, pray together. But as you're coming, I would say this, and those of you that are joining with us online as well, there's a question that I think is probably one of the most important questions that I could ask 
that, that the Lord would give us the opportunity to just give you an opportunity that are joining online and maybe that are in this room today. You say this, this talk of following Jesus, boy, this, that sounds interesting. I get it. I understand, but I have never begun a relationship with Christ myself. And so maybe today God has positioned you in a room that, that is a bunch of people that just were flawed and messed up and we have our own issues just like you've, you, you've, you think you do, right? But we're forgiven. We understand that God's paid a price for our sins and you may be here in this room today and you say, you know, I've never begun that relationship with Jesus. We would love to just introduce you to him today. And so if you're in this room today or if you're joining with us online, um, if you're online, you have a res- an opportunity to respond and click the button there and, and that'll, that'll give you the opportunity to connect with that online host to pray together with you and give you some next steps. But if you're here today in this room, the beauty of us being together is that we can, we can join together with you and we can just say, hey, we're, we're a family. There is absolutely, the Bible says there's no, no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Like it's a great thing. It's an awesome opportunity, right? For us to do that. But if you're here, I'd love to pray with you and the people here in this room would love to agree together. If that's you, would you so, be so bold as just to say, hey, that's me. I want to begin my relationship with Jesus right now. If you're in the room, would you just let me see your hand all over? You say, well, you're supposed to bow your heads, and close your eyes. No, you know what? We're just a family. We're going to agree together with, with you if you're in the room. And the back anywhere across the room. All right. Awesome. If you're online, there's a button there that you can click and the camp, the online host will help you in that process as well. And here's what I know. Sometimes it's a little bit nervous to do that, right? I get it. I understand it. But if even after our prayer time, if you want to respond, um, would you find someone that's on the pastoral staff that has come up here on stage? You've seen it, Pastor Clayton, myself, anyone else, some of those that have the tag that say here to serve on them, they'd love to pray together with you. There's a connect card in the, the seat pockets that also has an opportunity for you to write down and you can say, hey, I'd love more information about following Jesus and take that step as well. Church family, let me talk to you for a second and then Pastor Clayton's gonna lead us and we're just gonna worship and we're gonna remember they kind of went off to the side a little bit. That's all right. Remember the questions, right? How can I anticipate and activate the work of the Holy Spirit in my life? Let me talk to you as a family just for a few minutes and the reason why what we just did as far as giving people an opportunity to accept Jesus. You know the reason why that's so important to me as a pastor? is because when we ask ourselves that question about anticipating and activating the work of God in our lives, I want to always, and we should in all of our group times, you just give an opportunity for people to meet Jesus because that's the most important thing, right? That's the, with, without that, the relationship and the discipleship, it never really starts. And so we want to always give an opportunity. The reason why I would do that is so that you, it's not just about anticipating activity and activating the Holy Spirit just for, for some random thing. You should know that when you invite your coworker to come to church, that boy, if they come to church, they're going to have an opportunity to meet Jesus. And so, so anticipate that, like be ready for people to come to know the Lord today. Wow. Sometimes our life can be normal and mundane. God wants us to just just thrive in it, just like Jesus himself did. So Father, I pray right now as we just commit our lives to anticipating and activating the Spirit of God working in and through us as we just conclude our corporate time and just one more time just worshiping you. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just touch men and women and and husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and sons and daughters and grandmas and grandpas. God, all of us in the family of God that you would send us out in our mundane, probably normal lives, God, and that you would help us to anticipate what you are doing in and through our lives. We thank you for it, Jesus. Thank you. Amen.